0: life of our podcast to just start not giving a shit not that i don't just i'm curious you know you sometimes get to that point with things where it's like i'm just gonna show up and do this and if it's great it's great and if it's not
1: whatever yeah i don't know well i
0: at least am excited I I'm excited too, don't get me wrong. I just it was a a, a random thought that crossed my head is like at, at some point like do you get to the point where it's is like, well, this is like a job. I got to show up and I got to do it. I love talking to you, man. I love doing this. I love the excuse to have a beer cuz like if we don't do this, I literally don't drink. So having having a beer or two of an evening, especially as tonight is my Friday night, um it's really Ooh. pleasant. What are you drinking now? Um, I now have a from our local Whitewater brewery, uh, Whitewater. If anyone is watching from Whitewater, we are completely and utterly open to sponsorships. Um, A a raspberry light lager. Which is bright and fruity, according to the label. um, And actually does taste a little bit like raspberries. Very nice. nice. Sounds tasty. Boring. Summers be apple.
1: Tastes like apples. Well, it's mostly
0: made from apples, so one would hope so. Uh, Have you given any thought to trying something new like Bone Shaker?
2: (laughs) I told you (laughs) about my experience with Bone Shaker. Uh,
0: And then I showed up with it one day. I don't think I did, or or I don't think you did. I I do remember that you don't like
2: it, and I, I agree with you. It's bad. We had it. Fridays usually at the office back in the day pre pandemic, we would uh, shut down early and crack a few beers. We'd get, you know, some ping pong going, just kind of chill and and wind down the week. And uh, often that would involve just some miscellaneous crafts or whatever getting picked up and we'd all try them out. And I'm not an IPA guy to begin with. Like I'm not a big beer drinker to begin with, but. You know, in the in the spectrum of available beers to drink, IPAs would be on the end of the spectrum that I, I do not like. And I think it probably has to do with... I don't know, they say there's two, two types of people in the world, like in, in how you taste, like those that like cilantro and those that don't. I hate cilantro. I love cilantro. And... <sighs> There are a lot of things like cilantro that just, it's like, like dish soap. Just, ah.
1: Well, Bone Shaker was
2: like pine tar dish soap if you lit it on fire. (laughs) Uh, uh. Like, imagine, imagine the flaming Homer, right? Mm. But, you know, pine saw. Flame. That's what it was like. It was well, just uh, awful. Speaking,
0: speaking as someone who loves cilantro, and quite enjoys IPAs, Bone Shaker is bad. Uh, it it is very much a a beer that they got to the end of it and went, "This is really bad. We better throw some hops in here and tell people it's an IPA."
1: <sighs>
0: anyway, enough bashing. What there are, there are good beers out there. You expect positivity
2: Ah, on on one of our shows? I would
0: like to. I mean, I've been trying to inject some positivity, it's a struggle for me, but um, why don't we
2: talk about the best movie ever made?
1: Okay. I am, of course, talking about 1987's The Princess Pride. It's a fantastic movie. I didn't think that was a hot
2: take. The Princess Bride has become my test. So much so that like when I have friends that are going on, on like dates and they're, they're meeting girls, like my suggested test is watch the Princess Bride. If she doesn't like it or if he doesn't like it, get rid of them.
1: I did just a
2: cursory search online and this was a mistake. Oh, Just looking for what people's opinions were on the Princess Bride now. And let me tell you, nothing has convinced me more that I belong to a completely different species than a <laughs> significant part of our population. Oh, on in the internet, you know, at least. Oh, my. Listen, you don't have to love the Princess Bride. But it's one of those movies that should be almost impossible to hate. I agree.
0: It it's it, it suffers from the same problem as a lot of really classic movies, though, where it was made in a different time. It was made to a different template. It runs at a different rhythm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you grew up watching, um, oh, what's his face with all the explosions? He did the Transformers movie. Michael Bay michael bay if you grew up watching michael bay movies the princess bride is going to feel like an alien wrote it uh because it's slow right there's there's lots of bits of subtle dialogue um there's there's times when it seems like nothing is happening because that that is what happened with movies in those days right you didn't have cgi everything that you did someone had to do so people basically walked and talked and that was that was the movie i will say though that the sword fight in the middle of it is the sword fight of all movie sword fights i don't care Mm -hmm. I, i will i will die on that hill that is the greatest sword
2: fight that has ever been committed to film so what is the princess bride to you Um, I I assume you must love it because every reference I've thrown into everything that I've done here, you've gushed over.
0: Okay. Well, let me put it like this. For our 20th wedding or sorry, 10th wedding anniversary, we, we renewed our vows in a princess bride themed ceremony. Uh, Everyone was required to come dressed as a pirate. um, Except for our, our one nephew who is a really good sport and came dressed as a pilot. Um, which some people got and some people didn't, but I thought was hilarious. Right.
2: Did did you did you have a guy do the thing? Yes. Mowage. Yes, we did. Yes, indeed we did. Mowage uh, is what brings us together. Today. Today.
0: Yes, we did. We we had he came out dressed with the the hat and the whole deal.
2: That is amazing. Um,
0: Yep. I dressed as the Dread Pirate Roberts and, uh, Cindy got dressed up so that you literally wouldn't recognize her. Um, the, you know, the sign in book, when you come in and everybody signs the book, it was literally the princess bride. It was pick a page and write something down. So, and we still have it. It's on our, well, it's in a box right now because we said we haven't unpacked, but yeah. Um, I first saw the princess bride, uh, probably in 88 or 89 it was still playing on one of the movie channels uh, i was staying with my grandparents and uh this was back before you had like a tv guide on the tv and i was flipping mm-hmm. around to see if there was something to watch one afternoon and i literally tuned into the sh- to the movie as they were starting the sword fight at the top of the clips of insanity and i'm like what is this This is so awesome. And I still, I had no idea what it was. I watched the whole movie. And of course, like I'm looking at the TV guide going, I don't, I don't know which, which show this is like, I don't, I don't know what it is. And then I managed to catch sort of other bits and pieces of it through it the next week or so while I was there and didn't know what it was. I didn't discover that it was the Princess Bride until, oh golly, I was in my mid-teens, late teens. So like mid-90s. Mm -hmm. um and since then it's my favorite movie right as much as i love many other movies this one always it has a special place in my heart because it literally has has everything it has pirates giants sword fights has true love betrayal yeah it's
2: uh it's a kissing movie
0: it's definitely a kissing movie uh, it has Fred Savage and Colombo and they're playing baseball. I, the baseball game that he plays uh, at the beginning of the movie um, I, is a baseball game that I sunk many, many hours into.
1: Do, 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 do,
0: do. Uh, screwball! <laughs> <laughs> I forget what it's called. I think it was called Fastball or Major League Baseball. It might have been one of those ones that was released under a bunch of different
2: titles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think it was released on the Amiga as one thing, and then it got a port on something else as something else. But uh, I don't quote me on that.
0: The, I played it on the Commodore 64, so it's at least that old.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I saw The Princess Bride until a little bit later now. I'm, I'm a little bit younger than you, not too much younger than you, but it was probably 92-ish when I saw it, and it was rented from a movie store. I didn't have friends that had heard about it. I didn't know it existed.
1: And this is
2: one of the very first things where I took internet advice. I was on a message board for something or some others, and there were some topics, movies came up, and it was The Princess Bride. Like, well, that doesn't sound like something I would watch. It really and doesn't. That's that's the number one thing about this movie. It's it's meta before like meta existed in in movies. Now meta's always existed, so it's a little tongue in cheek. But like you know, a lot of movies are meta now, and and this movie had a great sort of framing device to turn a lot of that stuff. Just into part of the movie in a way that you could accept, you know, like making fun of of a lot of fantasy tropes and a lot of whatnot. In a way that didn't feel like parody, though, right? Like yeah. the difference between this and a Mel Brooks movie is that a Mel Brooks movie always feels like parody. This felt like a love story. About a love story, but a love story to a bunch of different types of literature and and some older movies, you know, the the kind of stuff that really wouldn't hold up today. Um this thing sort of played off some of those tropes in a way that at the time was easy to digest even for somebody who wouldn't have been interested in that type of stuff, like a love story, you know, the they framed it old around old
0: Yeah, they framed it around the way that uh, it was told to Fred Savage as a story really well which is something that that translated from the book really well.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, this movie is based off a book, not entirely faithful. They made a lot of changes that I think probably had to be made for the movie. And listen, I'm not complaining about the movie. We're actually going to read the book uh, because it's been about 20, 23 years, maybe since I've read the book. Been at least 10 for me. And uh, that'll probably be our next book project probably get to that in a month or so um i went through a phase that that this movie is probably responsible for where i watched a lot of the 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 mel brooks stuff like when i was really too young to understand the satire yeah the, the the satire and the real meta stuff where i just enjoyed the 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 Obvious, almost slapsticky comedy, but the intelligent slapsticky comedy, because I'm not normally a slapstick guy. Uh, movies like Airplane and um, hell, even some of the real shit like Police Academy and stuff like that. Like I went through a. I, oh, a, Police Academy
0: is such a guilty pleasure for me. It's so yeah. terrible and I love it so much.
2: But most of those movies I probably loved because of this movie you know Robin Hood Men and Tights <laughs> is not a great movie like even by Mel Brooks standards like it's no. low hanging fruit like it it does it's not smart in the way that a lot of Mel Brooks movies are smart but I still put it up in my list of top I don't know 20 or 30 comedy movies for me because of the obvious relationship it has to this movie. Obviously, you, you're dealing with the, the main actor, Carrie Ellis playing the lead in both parts, and there's a lot of DNA that's sort of shared between them. It isn't subtle. Like, it isn't a beautiful movie like this one is. Uh, if you haven't seen The Princess Bride, there's a few things I guess you should understand right away. It's a low-budget movie, like, by 1987 standards. I don't know what the actual budget is, and maybe it isn't all that low, but... Not super low, it's, but it wasn't high. It wasn't high. There's not, like you alluded to, a single explosion in this movie. There's no action really oh, wait, aside from the best sword fight ever.
0: They're, they're in the,
2: oh, in the, in the yes, swamp. Sort um, of. They're pyrotechnics, not really explosions. Yeah, the flamey things, and you've got the... Um, the rodents of unusual size. Yeah. Uh, was there a small bang uh as part of Fezzik going up with the holocaust cloak on.
0: No, but there was there was fire. I think they they actually yeah. lit him on
2: fire. Yeah. I couldn't remember if there was a maybe there was in the book or something. Like it's been a long time for the book. But yeah, no no traditional explosions. No, no car traditional chases. car chases, no traditional like it's not it does have the best sword fight in history. And it's interesting because not only is it like a really great sword fight, but it actually provides you with even if it's all wrong. I've never fact-checked all of this, but it references like traditional fencing styles and schools and stuff. Through like all of those <laughs> things that they they're talking about, right? Like uh Tybalt and Capifero and all of that are actual things. They're real.
0: Yeah. You probably know. not what they were doing,
2: but No, probably yeah. not. But still,
0: yeah. It, I mean, it was like there's a little bit of silliness injected into the middle of it because it's it's what like a ten or twelve minute scene of of them whacking at each other with with swords. Yeah. Carrie um, Elwes on a broken ankle.
2: <laughs> yeah. But the rest of the action in the movie is like comical. Now some of it is intentionally comical, like a scene where he's fighting Andre the Giant, and he's yes. basically just hanging off of him while they're exchanging dialogue. <laughs> After that, like probably the most action occurs when they're climbing a rope, a rope <laughs> up the cliffs of insanity. Like that, yeah. that's it. There's not much. Well, I, when
0: uh, when what's her name is is in the the water with the shrieking eels, I suppose is is actiony. But I mean, like the effects are are like Jim Henson level. Uh, which is still good, but it's very much like, you're not like, Ooh, this looks real. It's like, it's obviously a puppet
2: or a guy in a suit. Um, Like it's, it's not. It's not too many steps above like a stage play translated to film in terms of, of like the quality of the prop work and stuff. And none of it matters, but that's part of the charm. Oh, absolutely. You know, the, the, the framing device in the movie and in and, and the book is that you've got Columbo telling a story reading a book to fred savage so right away everything that's happening the characters that are a little bit silly and cartoonish it's fine because they're not real characters in the movie they're not real characters yeah someone's reading about them in a book and the fact that they break out of the story to come back to Uh, Peter Falk and Fred Savage occasionally reminds you of the fact that oh this is fantasy like I'm I'm not supposed to to yeah this is not we don't need buy in here right the the
0: other thing that's really good and it's it's actually framed really well in the book as well is that uh like they'll be like they'll cut back to Peter Falk reading the book and I'll go "Uh, we're gonna skip over that we're gonna skip that. skip that and we're going to skip because he's literally just reading the fun parts mm-hmm. right and it's i mean that's it's funny because when i first when i first realized what was happening there it it struck home to me because i actually do that like when i when i read when i went back and reread for example the lord of the rings um at about that age like I would skip over Frodo's bits because they didn't they didn't excite me. Like I'm not interested in this. I want to read about like you know like the, the Gimli and Legolas you know fighting the the things, and I want to read about you know Aragorn beating on people with a sword because that's what I was interested in. And Frodo's basically just going for a really long and quite awkward walk, right? Which I now realize is like the central theme of the book. It's sort of important that you pay attention to those things, but. You know, like if I was reading it now, I read the whole thing, but like I would skip over the boring parts.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Right. And, And that's something that it's totally okay to do. It was it
1: was nice to see that outside of myself. It is. Cast
2: perfectly. Yes. And. At the time that this came out, like, I don't think really many of these actors were well-known actors. Uh, Chris Randon, maybe? Uh, yeah, Christopher uh, Sra- and um, Mandy Patinkin had done a couple of things, I think, at yeah. that point. He was well-known in some circles. Uh, you know, Carrie Elvis was relatively new. Robin Wright, I don't know that she was in much before this. This was her first movie. And... Um,
0: and and she is based on that performance alone yeah. a rare talent.
2: Wallace Shawn, who's basically Oh yeah. He's and, a treasure. And, and and Andre the Giant, like, you know, everybody's favorite character yeah. in this movie, played by the the original wrestler translated to stage, I think. I, I imagine there's some that did it before him, but not in anything that anybody really, really loved. My
0: favorite thing about, because I have I have Carrie Lewis book and I, I, I've read it and it's I mean, it, it's written as simply as you can possibly write such a thing. But my favorite thing about the stories of Andre the Giant is just like he would go into town and order like a 24 pack of bottles of wine and he would drink them. Right, and his body mass was such that he could literally drink twenty four bottles of wine and still stumble out sometimes. You know, and occasionally he would pass out in the doorway leaving the bar, and that's it, the bar's closed. It's not like we're moving him. <laughs> like we gotta let him sleep it off and nobody can get in or out. Uh <laughs> ah.
2: so here's what I think is interesting about this movie. It would never, ever, ever get made today. Might get made on
1: YouTube. Quite literally. I'll I'll bring
2: that up later. But uh, yeah, it is something that is just. I don't know if I talked about this before, but, you know, it's fascinating. Modern entertainment, TV shows and and movies, um, you know, the cost of making them. You have to be able to sell the idea right and that's one of the big reasons why everything was a sequel or a prequel or an adaptation of an own ip that's popular because in order to warrant any level of financial risk even for what would be a a low-ish to medium budget movie you got to convince a lot of people to spend a lot of money so you play it safe we're going to make you know avengers 17 or we're going to make you know hey hey what's that that franchise from a video game that hasn't been adapted yet that some people like, let's do that. Oh, Hey, here's this one that did really well 20 years ago. Let's make that one again. Like literally again.
0: Like, yeah, there's uh yeah. um, well, when you think about it, like what's, what's a, a like a, a small budget movie these days, like a hundred million dollars, right? Like, yeah, inflation is a thing and a hundred million dollars isn't what a hundred million dollars used to be, but it's still a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Right, And there's lots of movies that you know you spend a hundred million dollars and take a risk, and it makes fifty million at the box office, and now you're out fifty million dollars and that's you know, that's folding money
2: and I have to think that when they made this movie back in the day, like they didn't expect it to do well at the box office
0: i I don't know if they do or not. I do remember reading stories about uh William Golding, who's the guy who wrote both the book and the screen par- screenplay. Uh, he had real trouble actually getting this movie going, right? Like, it would have, even back then, it would have been a difficult sell because it, it, it sounds like a sort of children's romantic comedy,
3: mm-hmm.
0: right? And how do, how do you market that? Uh, the other thing that's really interesting is I have, I have it on DVD or Blu-ray or whatever it was when we bought it, and it has, you know, as its special feature, the original theatrical trailer. And I guarantee you, if you show that theatrical uh, trailer to audiences today, it wouldn't even register. Yeah, it's not punchy. It doesn't have any jokes. It doesn't hit the right beats. It's it's literally just some snippets of the movie and a general description of what it's about. Mm-hmm. And it's it feels boring.
2: And we're talking, you know, post Star Wars, post. Jaws, post the Indiana Jones uh, first couple of movies, so the idea of the summer blockbuster had already arrived by the time this was made in '87. And I mean, we watch a lot of best of the worst. Really, the combination of the the, the cover art for this and and that trailer, like it feels like something like Ice Pirates. Or, or one of those movies that's like, let's knock something yeah. off and, and hope that, you know, the hype for Star Wars, somebody will see this if we bring it out a week before Star Wars or, or whatever.
0: Or let's hope that this makes it big in the home video market afterwards as people but, sort of catch on.
2: But this very much wasn't that because usually those are cash grabs, right? Like everybody phones it in. They just they throw something together. The the craft and passion That went into this movie now i know it's easy to look back because of of, i would say a bit more more than a cult following that this this movie developed like it isn't a typical cult movie but
0: it's a lovable movie
2: it is and but you can tell that like everybody that participated in making this movie those that are still alive today still reminisce about this movie fondly
0: yeah, they did a reunion and actually some of the some of the clips of, of the interviews from that are really, really interesting. One of the things that comes up, you say that, you know, the people in the movie weren't really all that well known. I mean, Billy Crystal was in it as a, He's, it's yeah. a bit part. Yeah. It's almost like a cameo. But yeah,
2: yeah, he, he would be the one name that, you know, super, super recognizable, I guess. trying um, a blank on his name.
0: Count Rugen. Um. Yeah,
2: he was reasonably well known, I think, yeah. at that time too.
0: Well, he had been in uh, Spinal Tap at that point, which is where everybody would yeah. recognize him from. Uh, also, the the lady who played Miracle Max's wife, and oh my God, I cannot remember her name. Um, Carol. Carol something. Yeah. Kane. Carol Kane. Um, you know, she obviously was was a uh, an established actress at that point too. And I mean, both of them just absolutely just every like there isn't there is not a performance in this film that you can point to and go, yeah, they
2: didn't, you know, they could have done better. I think, I think everyone just nailed it. Absolutely. And, you know, they nailed it for what it was like. They took it seriously yeah. enough. Yes. They played it straight. But had but fun. they weren't serious characters. They were mm. fun like that. And they all had great chemistry together. You know, like, there's a lot of characters in this movie that don't spend a lot of time with other characters in this movie, but the time that they do share together is magic. The
0: albino in the laboratory. Oh, my God. He is so funny. Maybe I shouldn't have jogged his memories so hard. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I still greet my wife on occasion with hello, lady. (laughs) <laughs> uh Andre the Giant isn't isn't just I mean he's an absolute gem. I wish he had been in more movies. It was here's here's a, a funny sort of it's almost a blooper. They show there's a one scene sort of towards the end where they're riding away on horses, right? And they show Andre the Giant on a horse and is like it's not Andre the Giant. You know Mm -hmm. that's not Andre the Giant. He's dressed up like Andre the Giant. He's got his arms pumped out to make himself look bigger. But, I mean, Andre the Giant is a giant. He's not riding a horse. (laughs) Can you imagine him trying to ride a horse? Uh, I I don't think they
1: make a horse big enough.
2: I think I've said it before. Sorry, I'm off on a bit of a tangent here. We talk about Left D&D and tabletop a lot.
1: If you're running a D&D game,
2: regardless of whether it's crunchy or whether there's a lot of role play, this movie is what your D&D game should feel like. You know The way the characters interact with each other, they're interesting without being too crazy deep. You know yeah. It's easy to digest. Um, there's... Lots of contrasts, quips. there's quips, there's, there's fun, but there's contrast between the characters. Um, everybody has a part to play, everybody gets their time to shine. And, and yeah, the emphasis on fun. Um, you know, the story is simple, like, you know, the story within the story, the, the actual fantasy part of it, the Princess Bride, it's, it's a very, very simple story. As stories should be. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of the
0: complications shouldn't come from the central premise of the plot. You know, I I talk about John Wick a lot, and I think John Wick has the absolute perfect plot. You killed my dog. I'm coming for you. I'm going to go through everyone who's between you and me. That's it. That's all you need. Motivations are clear.
2: Everything else is just details. Hello, my name is John Wick. You killed my dog. Prepare to die. Prepare to die. That's, yeah. Yeah. Somebody
0: make a meme. Do it. (laughs) I'm sure it's been done a million times. Well, let's find out. That's uh, uh, John
1: Wick Princess Bride. It hasn't been done. I claim copyright. I'm sure it's it's been been done. It's been done a million times. (laughs) So let's explore that.
2: If you were to run a one shot or build a small D and D campaign in the world of the Princess Bride. Oh how would you go about doing it?
0: There's I don't know. See here's the thing is is where the trap is is that I really want if I'm if I'm running some kind of a, a campaign, I want I want I want it chock full of member berries.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Right, which in this context I think might work. If you're running a one shot, I think it could work. If you're trying to run a campaign there, I don't think it could. But I mean, you'd you'd want to hit uh, the uh, fire swamp. Uh, you'd you'd want to have at least a cameo by Count Rugen, uh,
2: which would be difficult because he's dead. Um, I think you could do it. Like you talked about in your your campaign, that you're, you're, what we're going to be doing with our group playing uh, pre made characters. I think there's an interesting game to be had playing oh. uh, Vicini, Inigo, Fezic oh. as pre-made characters through random shit before meeting the man in black.
0: Oh. It would be interesting to do an alternate history as well where you, you put the characters uh as Vicini. And I I don't know, maybe maybe you throw uh, Princess Buttercup in there as well, if you want a fourth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they start out kidnapping her, and then she decides, you know what, I just need to run away. The man in black actually turns out to be the bad guy.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know. It, it, there's, a, there's a couple of different ways that you could do it, but I think that you would very quickly go off tone. Oh, for sure. Uh, it just because, like, it is so... I mean, it, the princess's name is Buttercup, for, for goodness sake. Like, it's so sunshine and lollipops that it would be really, really hard to continue a, a D&D situation with that. Because almost immediately, someone you know is going to go murder hobo. And then it's like, well. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. No, like, it would have to be a one-shot or a very, very short mini campaign where the setup is simple. You know, you're Vicini, Play Vicini, Like, okay, here, here's the roster of characters. Pick the one you want to play. and then try and play it Mm -hmm. because that's that's you know the the amazing thing about the characters is there's even just trying to play them would be fun imagine just trying to trying to be Fezzik, you know
0: anybody want a peanut
2: yeah (laughs) like for for a four-hour session or a five-hour session like that'd be fantastic
0: It would be fun. It would be sort of interesting to sort of give people uh, the challenge of like, here's seven quotes that you have to find a way to work in because it's a very quotable movie. Um, Oh,
2: this is the most quotable movie.
0: I'm not sure that I would give it most, but it definitely is. Except there with like
2: some Monty Python stuff.
0: Like it's at that level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's definitely one of the most quotable movies for sure. Um, I mean, I quote it, Nearly daily. Uh, yeah, there there could be some some interesting fun to be had by. I don't know. See, I've I've come sort of almost in a in a semi-circle over the years about role playing, uh like in a tabletop setting and what that means. Because uh, at, at one point it was like for me, I was like I started off like being a super crunchy character. It's like I need to figure out like what is the most um, optimal character. Like, I need to squeeze the most out of every dice roll. And, you know, I've sort of come around to, do I really though?
1: Like, do I really?
0: Like, what is winning in this game? Uh Oh, which reminds me, I got a link from a friend the other day, speaking of tabletop stuff, of uh, a, a BBC Sort of piece about Dungeons and Dragons from the '80s. Ooh. Um, and it was reasonably, like, it was actually reasonable and kind of balanced. Like, it was, it was a hundred percent wrong in every possible way that it could be. Was it like Satanic Panic
2: influence type no. stuff or okay. no? No, no.
0: It, it was, it was a report on, hey, here's this game that's that's sweeping the nation, and it's a fantasy game, and it's like this and like that, and blah blah blah. So almost like they got their sort of basic facts, right? um, And they weren't, it wasn't a hit piece by any means. It was just, uh, it was just very much like, imagine your mother-in-law trying to describe you playing a video game. That's what it was like. It it was like an alien describing human civilization. It's like, I don't know what's happening here, but I'm going to talk about it for 15 minutes. (laughs) It's like portraying hacking in movies and TV. Very much like that. Yes. Yeah um it wasn't it wasn't like hey this is evil it was like here's a thing that people are doing and we don't get it it was interesting to see though that even in the 80s like the the, the tables that they were showing and i mean it's it's in the uk so it's like people sitting in a tiny tiny sitting room around like an ottoman that has like some graph paper on it uh it, most of the players were in their 30s it was interesting because it it was always in my mind especially at that time it was like this is a kid's game right not so much anymore like here we are playing dungeons and dragons into our 40s 400s yeah yeah i'm I'm pretty sure that i'll be able to play gandalf without any actual makeup here shortly just gotta put on a
1: floppy hat
2: Uh, sorry, so, that was a little bit left turn ish. No, that's totally fine. We're, we're left turn the podcast. <laughs> Getting back to the Princess Bride,
1: I'm painting a mental image. You're home by yourself. You're in the kitchen do cooking, have, maybe, or you just. Do I have you know, pants on? Completely optional. Oh.
2: You're in the kitchen cooking, or maybe you're doing some dishes, and you're quoting this movie to yourself. What scene are you
1: doing? Ah,
0: uh, see, I probably could have uh, yeah, I've, a- any one of a thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the one that springs to mind first is the conversation. That Wesley and Buttercup have in the fire swamp. Well, now, now that we're here, it's it's actually quite lovely. Well, I'm I'm not saying I'd build a summer home here, but yeah, so the, the tree trees is in a certain light. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just there's so many understated things like that. Uh
2: yeah, the humor is not Overt, like it's 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 obvious that they're not being serious, but it isn't slapping you in the face with this is the thing that you're supposed to laugh at. There's no jokes.
0: Oh, uh, Chris Chris Sarandon's um uh when he's torturing he's torturing Wesley, and it's like remember it's for posterity, so be honest.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think the one I probably quote to myself back and forth just cuz I, I can go back and forth between characters is the um uh Wesley Humperdink scene at the end the the to the pain. Mm. Yes. No, your ears you keep so
0: that you hear the screams and cries of all of the people. The woman that What cries is out.
2: that thing? Yeah. that is what to the pain means it means i leave you in anguish wallowing in misery forever i think you're bluffing Uh. i could be (laughs) bluffing pig.
0: (laughs) the delivery on those is so perfect
2: it is so perfect Uh. yes the rest of the movie is infinitely quotable there's a lot of things obviously that come up in specific contexts yes You know, you fell victim to one of the classic (laughs) blunders. Never go
0: in against a Sicilian when death is on the line. (laughs) Uh, Well, Ashan is my hero.
2: He was not in enough stuff. And I know that, like, you're basically... When you're you're that type of person, like, physically, you know, on screen, you're kind of a caricature, so... I imagine it's hard for him to get roles where he isn't basically playing a Vicini type character. I think I've seen him in a couple of things, maybe. Yeah. He's done a fair bit of voice work. And yes, it's a he, great voice. He has a great
0: voice. I, I mean, he's a very talented actor. I I mean, I think he's passed away now. Uh, but I mean, like his talent is is on display to see. He's very, very good. The unfortunate thing is, is that film is a very visible medium and if if you're not you know you know six feet tall eight percent body fat chiseled jawline straight nose full head of hair i mean
2: that's the only reason i'm not a famous you know actor the only reason
0: i mean i had my time on the casting couch i guess i wasn't good enough well There's a tradition that's dying, thank God.
2: All right. Any any last things you want to say about The Princess Bride before we move on? It's my favorite movie. I wanted to
0: be the man in black more than any other superhero in my youth. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. If you don't like it, I don't like you.
2: Yeah. Watch it with an open mind and an open heart. hmm Yeah. This isn't like going back and watching Die Hard where you're like, oh yeah, this is a dated movie, but it like, you know, whatever, it holds up. This is probably more akin to going back and watching something like The Sound of Music in terms of an experience or going back and watching Gone with the Wind or, or The Wizard of Oz, right? Like it is... It a isn't as era. old as those, it isn't the same era, but the experience of what it is relative to the expectations of what makes a movie today, um, it's it's very different. Maybe you want to ease into it and work your way backwards. Uh, there's a couple movies that I would recommend if you're fans of this movie. Um. One of them is the D&D movie that actually just came out this year. Now, it it's it's a more modern in expectation. There's the, there's no, well, I guess there's kind of a sky beam and there's sort of the the typical sort of action where everything's happening at once. You won't get this in a movie, but the the movie had the same kind of heart that a movie like The Princess Bride would have. Yes. Um, another movie, which Tanya and I love it, I've never heard anybody talking about ever is (laughs) I would have called it newer, but it's actually 2007. So it's almost 20 now. Uh, Stardust.
1: I don't think I've seen it. Really? I think so. Well, that's your homework then. Um,
0: Send me me some text because I won't remember it.
2: Yeah, it is not uh, the Princess Bride. But it is another movie that, like The Princess Bride, is just one of those movies where it's just like, this is delightful. And I think I that's the best way to like describe that. it. Just, just unabashedly, unapologetically, charmingly delightful. And that's all it's trying to be. And that, for me, is more than enough. Yeah. So here, here's a movie for you to
0: put on your radar. Hudson Hawk. You've talked about it before. And I had... Yeah. It's it's a terrible movie, but it is just fun from beginning to end.
1: I, I want to say I think Tanya's watched it. I
2: think I've heard her talk about it before.
0: It's vastly underrated. I mean, it was an absolute flop in the theaters, um, but it's, it's a movie. W- it meant, you know how... In a lot of movies, especially lower budget movies or ones where they're a little bit unsuccessful, there's one character who's absolutely chewing the scenery. Mm-hmm. There's no one in this movie who isn't chewing the scenery. It's Perfect. that kind of movie. And and everybody's just having a blast.
1: <laughs> and it's a Bruce Willis movie, so it's hard to go wrong.
2: There you go. Hey, do you want to hear what Ian has to say? Yes. I haven't heard from him in a while. You've got mail. I think this is going to bring the end to the positivity of this part of the show, because I I think the way I look at this question, it's going to get depressing. Uh Uh, Uh-oh. The title for this question is called Influence. I saw this question on Reddit a while back, and it got me thinking what you two would say. You are able to utter a single phrase and have that phrase be heard by all living humans simultaneously. Language barriers aren't an issue, and translation is done on the fly. What would you say?
1: Kind to yourself. We live in a world where
2: people only listen to the things that they already want to hear. So, I'm going to break the rules here, Ian.
1: Oh! The...
2: We already know there's some shenanigans going on by the fact that it's being automatically translated and everybody in the world can hear me. So if I want this message to have any effect, I'm going to use that fact for people to think that this message is coming from on high. Because otherwise, like, whatever. Nobody's going to listen to it. I'm not going to achieve anything by it. So if I can play God in one phrase and hope that somebody will listen to what I have to say, what would I say? How would I go about it? Now, you've got what you said, which is, you know, be kind. But like, you know, everybody's told to be kind every, every day. And nobody listens. So I think I would have to go the other way. Make people feel like they're being judged from on high. And there's a line... Uh, I mean, it's been used in a lot of things. Hell, I think it's probably Shakespeare that originated from. In another delightful movie, which if you guys haven't watched it, it's one of Heath Ledger's early movies, uh, A Knight's Tale. Another just sort of silly, fun, delightful movie. Uh, the the antagonist character says uh, in the movie several times, and then, of course, it comes full circle at the end. You've been weighed... You've been measured, and you've been found wanting. If I could deliver that message and make people think it was coming from on high, that God was judging them?
0: Lots of people already think that, though. And they just don't care. Here's, here's my counterpoint to that, is that um, all of the people that, that ideally their behavior would change, already don't, they don't care what, what the judgment is, right? Like they're, they're betting that there is no judgment at the
2: end of the race. Well, and that's what I'm hoping that the, the the shenanigans here with the setup of this question would make people think, oh shit, maybe I'm wrong about that. Eternal damnation and nine circles of hell. Maybe that's, that's my future unless I turn things around. Maybe. And, and short of saying, You done fucked up, Uh, you know. Like that's you just hope that they scramble to try and do better in what little time they've got left
0: to turn it around and turn it into a little bit of a bit. I think you know, following the same vein, um, I would
2: say stop touching yourself so much. (laughs) That was like episode one or episode two, wasn't it? Yeah, (laughs) where that came up.
0: Yeah, Why are I you so interested in how much I masturbate? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a question, you know? Mm.
2: No. That's where I accuse the Bible of being fan fiction. Remember when yeah. we were controversial, like oh, three yeah. months ago? Yeah, back <laughs> in the history,
0: the long, long and storied history of our podcast. Going back almost, what, three,
2: four months now? I think we started in April. So, yeah, it's actually been quite a, wow. quite a while.
0: It's lasted so episode longer than I episode thought. Episode
2: 23, baby. We're like half a year.
0: Wow. Wow. That's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Who would have thought we'd come so far?
2: So thanks for your question, Ian. You've been weighed. You've been measured. You've been found wanting. If yeah. you would like to submit your question for judgment, <laughs> hit us up uh, by email. Podbag at nerdingundertheinfluence.com. I would love to tell you how you're wrong. (laughs) Or right.
0: Uh, Or just generally stumble over pronouncing your name.
2: There's that too.
0: I mean, there's there's so much of that as as I I like I can't even imagine. Can you imagine being on a like a live TV show or something? It's like, okay, we're gonna read out some, some reader mail, and it's like someone from a different culture and their name has like 27 letters in it and most of them are x like i'm sorry i don't know how to pronounce your name right or, or <laughs> watching people people read out like their their patreon subscribers or whatever on on a youtube or a podcast or something and it's like these are names that were never intended to be said out loud like sagity wet nipply tits 69 420 like that's not supposed to be read out loud
2: One of the channels that I recommended in parting gifts a few weeks ago uh, has just the best. Um, Like they're not they're not the typical stuff you would expect from like patron names, but where they're reading out usernames and it's just spinning three plates and and there's like Charles the first, Charles the second, Charles the first again, it's Mo. Uh it's it's great. <laughs> uh speaking of parting gifts, I have one before we shut things down for the week. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Anybody Watch the princess bride.
1: Actually, if you've already watched
2: The Princess Bride, then there is Uh, something that was released in the, during the pandemic, during shutdown, uh, for the hell was the name of that, that service that lasted like three months. Quibi, 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 Quibi. Oh, are they gone? Quibi, whatever that was, it was like short videos. It was all done in like portrait mode.
0: Oh, okay.
2: Anyway, a bunch of Hollywood people got together, uh, you will never see something with more big-name acting talent in it than home movie The Princess Bride. Uh, Now, Quibi's gone, but you can find it all on YouTube. It's just a whole bunch of shorts that are strung together to completely reenact The Princess Bride. And when I say, like, big actors, I mean huge actors, all of them. You get to see Adam Sandler playing Columbo, Peter Falk's character, the grandpa, and he has never acted so hard and Mm. put as much effort into like sincerely portraying a character well in any movie he's done in the last 25 years. Everybody. That's a low bar. It is a low bar, but. It illustrates the, the the point that I want to make with this is that the Princess Bride is not just a cult film. All of the stars that you love, whether it's guys like Adam Sandler to Pedro Pascal, to you name it, they're probably in this. And you can see just how passionate they are about recreating this material faithfully lovingly probably don't watch it. If you haven't watched the actual movie,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: you know, my takeaway, if you haven't seen the princess bride, go watch it after you're done watching it, or if you've already watched it, just do a quick search on YouTube for the princess bride home movie. You'll probably find some playlists or a couple of, um, rando videos with a few million views where they've strung them all together so that you don't have to find you know, 20 parts or however many parts there was in this.
1: It puts a smile on my face. It's about family. <laughs> it's about <laughs> something. Well, man, it's good talking yeah. to you. We'll, uh,
2: we'll have to do it again sometime. A lot of
1: beer.